I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Hi, Debbie. What are we talking about today? Bloody Valentine's Day. (laughs) Bloody hell. God, so romantic. Sorry, I've had a busy week. I forgot what we were talking about today. (laughs) Oh my God, Valentine. I hate Valentine's Day. I hate Valentine's Day. It's a bit like New Year, you know. It's always a bit too commercial and organized and then it all kind of flops but i think it also valentine's day um kind of sets us up for disaster (laughs) because i you know i hated it as a child i mean now i really don't care but as a kid you know i I didn't have very much self-esteem and and i probably don't know but oh you've got plenty now (laughs) no not really people think you do but you know it's a nice cover but as a, a young teen you know everybody was kind of prettier thinner, taller, whatever, whatever, as most kids. And um, I was so terrified of not getting a card because it was a pissing war at school. Of course, yes. It's a popularity contest. Yeah, it's a popularity contest. I mean, I went to an all-girls school, but so where we were supposed to meet boys, I don't know. It's a lesbian popularity contest. Yeah, well, (laughs) a bit young for that as well. but, But I used to send them to myself. And, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you write with the other hand, the left hand to make it look uh, whatever. Oh, and this is insane. So I took them to school, whether anybody really cared or whatever. But I remember my mum saying one year after I got caught when I was like 12, then when I was 13, she said, do you want some stamps for your Valentine's cards? No, <laughs> so she obviously no. knew. And I was so humiliated that she knew. And of course, nothing was said. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I found it very kind of upsetting when I was young, but then you kind of get over it. And, and, uh, and as you get older, to be quite honest, if that's the only day, you know, but, but I think also you kind of give up on your partner, you know, jumping out of a cake. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like uh, after the first two years, forget about it. And, and listen, I don't love Valentine's day, but I do love love. You know, I think it's nice to be able to make these declarations and have an occasion to be able to say something. But I think most people at this time, you know, at Valentine's Day will say that, you know, you're supposed to be practicing these kinds of affirmations, telling the person you love that you love them on a regular basis. We shouldn't have to have an annual reminder, but it is kind of a nice way to, you know, kind of like have an occasion to plan something that's a little out of the ordinary in terms of expressing your love. So like, what are your best and worst Valentine's moments? Can well, you remember? I think one of my most embarrassing was actually not us. But I, I, to me, when my children were growing up, Valentine's Day was really about the family. You know, I love my children and I love. So when the kids were like kind of late teens, just before they left home, (laughs) one of them, the eldest, who may not be named, um, I have to whisper because he's working upstairs. um, And he, uh, he took his girlfriend at the time to a restaurant and like an idiot, he told me where he was going. So we booked the same restaurant. Oh my God. Oh my God. I have never seen him so angry and he doesn't get angry. You should have been angry. Why would your parents horn in on your date? (laughs) We also got the table right next to (laughs) Oh, Debbie, that's terrible. (laughs) I thought that was okay because I'm thinking, well, you know, and that was it. I think that was the period in my life when, you know, they're empty nesting and they're like, really don't want anything to do with you. It's the one time where the more the merrier does not apply. Yeah, exactly. And also a few years ago, we have a lot of the discount airlines near us in Italy. And we were having a very wet, cold February in Tuscany. And the local airport 
has very, very, you know, cheap flights up and down all the time. And it depends like when you go on the, the website. So I'm looking one day and the rain's lashing and it's, uh, it's like the 13th of February. And I, I go on the website and it's like $9.99 to Sicily from Tuscany, you know, and, wow. I, and it's like 45 minutes, an hour flight. So I go running in. I said, God, hands $9.99 to Tuscany. I mean, you can't buy a coffee and a sandwich for that. And, uh, you know, Mr. Miserable just looked at me and, and then he, um, he said, well, I'll have a look. And then about an hour later, I said, well, what do you think? And he says, oh, I've looked. It's gone up. I said, oh no, <laughs> what is it now? He said, it's twelve ninety nine. <laughs> So I said, oh I'll go on my own. Thank you very much. Um, but we did, we ended up going for the day and it was amazing. We took the nine o'clock flight and come back, came back on the six o'clock flight. Same plane. Oh, nice. Yeah, to Sicily. And it was lovely weather down there. Had lunch on, you know, on the dock. And it was one of those occasions. I mean, I remember that story more than I remember the lunch. But um, but it was very romantic. But yeah, you can't win sometimes. A Valentine's Day trip is always a nice thing. I will tell you, my worst Valentine's story involves a trip. Way back in my 20s, Valentine's Day was coming up and I had an ex who had sort of said, well, you know, maybe we should do something. And I thought, oh, you know, I sort of got hopeful that maybe we would get back together. So we decided to do a road trip to Buffalo, from Toronto to Buffalo, New York. And when we got to Buffalo, we checked into a hotel and we went out for dinner. And then that night we went to a nightclub in Buffalo. This sounds like doom and gloom already. Well, <laughs> nightclub in Buffalo. I mean, nothing good happens in a nightclub when you're in your 20s. So... We're at this nightclub and we were dancing and having a really nice time and, you know, talking closely at the bar and all these kind of things that are sort of signals that maybe my hopes that we would maybe get back together on this trip were, Aww. you know, not unfounded. So then suddenly you know, I went to the bar to get drinks and I came back and I couldn't find him anywhere. And so I looked around and looked around and couldn't find him anywhere. So I thought, oh, I wonder if he wasn't feeling well or something and went back to the room. So I went back to the room. And when I got to the room, he was there, but he wasn't alone. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, my. What? So he picked somebody up in the club? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, um, what do I do? So I didn't. I, I left the room and I went downstairs to the lobby and this was before there were like cell phones where you could text or anything like that. So I didn't really know when it was going to be appropriate to go back upstairs. So I slept in the lobby of the hotel in a chair for wow. the night. And then on the way home, it was total silence. Like, not good. I can kind of imagine. Yeah. But maybe that was a good lesson. You never go back. Never go back. Oh, my God. You can never know. I mean, it's hard to. That was definitely my worst Valentine's story. Yeah. But I still think it's kind of funny because, you know, I was in my 20s, so I was quite resilient. I bounced back quite quickly, obviously, after that. They say there's more breakups right after Christmas because mm. people say, oh, I'm going to get through the holidays kind of thing. Or you meet the family and decide, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> or, yeah, exactly. I wonder if Valentine's Day is a trigger where people just go, you know what? Uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. but I do think there's so many things about Valentine's Day that are lovely. And I've had lots of really nice Valentine's Days where, yeah. you know, to me, it's not one of those holidays that's a priority. So I don't think much about it. So I'm terrible. I'm a terrible partner around Valentine's Day because I don't really do anything. But I've been surprised by lovely gestures over the years by, you know, people that I've been with. And I think, you know, it is kind of, 
it's nice to be surprised. It's hard to be surprised. I mean, in this day and age, we've got tracking devices on our friends and family, on our phones. We're in touch. Instagram tells us where everyone is at all times. So I do think that, you know, when things like this come about, like Valentine's Day, it's such a nice opportunity to at least try to surprise the special person in your life and give them that moment of surprise because it's so nice. I think you're absolutely right about that because this thing where everybody knows where you are, everybody knows what you're doing, it drives me insane because even, you know, we share our British credit card and... You know, he tracks me around the shops and it drives (laughs) I'm a grown bloody woman. I've earned this money. And if I want to go to Zara or I want to go to here or here or I want to buy something. And he's like, uh, well, I know where you are. I know where you are. I know where you are. And then I I go in the house and I do the alarm and that rings on his phone. So I'm talking about we're in different countries, you know. And and sometimes I do feel like, and he's very sensitive about it, but he also checks. Well, because you're often coming home at 3.30 in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, he's, but he also checks all the bills and things like that, which is also annoying, but it's better today because, you know, he's, Everybody's terrified of being hacked and whatever. But it is a little bit by being tracked. And then I got one of those, um, actually, it's really quite cool. One of those round discs that you get and you put it in your suitcase. Oh, yes. Yeah. The, um, what is it called? An eye An, an eye tracker. Something like that. Yes, I have those too. Yeah. So I don't use it for my suitcase, but I put it in my little jewelry box, which I really doesn't, you know, I hide it behind a radiator in the house. Oops, just told all the burglars. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but every time I leave the house, it tells me you've forgotten this or, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and, and I do find all that information is getting a little bit uh, annoying. But one of the most romantic things that actually happened to me and him was... Him being hands. Yeah, poor him. The elusive hands. Yeah. So, you know, we met in the south of France at the film festival and Mm -hmm. literally decided how many... He took me for... After we did the business and everything the first night, you know, the next day... (laughs) On the first night. Yeah, first night. (laughs) We're going to have to edit that I didn't know I was ever going to see him again, but he said he would take me to Italy which is only over the border, for a romantic day out. So, you know, yes. I, mean, I was just a poor old girl from London. So I said, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. So he rented a fancy car. And from the border into Italy, tunnel after tunnel after tunnel. Oh, yes. It's a beautiful drive. And it's the sea. You see the Mediterranean and the cliffs and it's everything. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And all the villas and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, but that tunnel, that particular tunnel is about 20 miles long. And in, I think in the 90s, there was one of the worst car crashes ever in history anywhere in the oh, world no. where a huge lorry, a huge truck filled with gasoline was hit and blew up and the fireball went both ways and incinerated many, many people. Oh this is a lovely, God. this is a lovely Valentine's Day. Happy story, Valentine's Day. Happy yeah. Valentine's Day. Anyway, but it was a terrible thing. So I wasn't very keen on these things. We are driving through this particular tunnel and somebody's broken down and it's, you don't want to sit in those tunnels with all the fumes. And I mean, it's really, if you're claustrophobic, you'd go mad. Anyway, yes. you didn't care. So we sat for about four, today I would go ballistic. I'd probably walk out, but we sat for about four hours. In the tunnel? In the, in the car, in the tunnel. Wow. And we basically said we were going to have 10 children. We had two. Um, <laughs> he was going to move to England. I moved to Canada. Um, we were going to get wow. married. So you planned your whole lives together in this tunnel after the first date. 
this was the day after kind of thing. So this was your second date. So this was our second date day kind of thing. So I go back to the UK thinking, oh, you know, blow this guy off kind of thing. And we talked for a few weeks, literally nonstop on the phone. And one day I had a little production company. One day the girl working with me comes in and she says, it's hands thinking he was hands again on the phone. And he was standing at the door of my office and he said, I'm not going to ask again. I'm going to go and have some lunch and I'll come back. And if you want to come, we'll pack up your stuff and you come with me now. Mm. What? That's amazing. Wow, that's so attractive. I'd known him three weeks, three weeks. That's so sexy. I know. He came back, (laughs) thankfully. And now I look back and I was thinking he could have been a mass murderer or something. Anyway, so we go back go to my flat, packed all my stuff up, and I took the flight with him back to to Montreal. That's incredible. And how many years have you been together now? Oh, God, 30-something or other. Long, 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 long. I mean, we just lucked out. I mean, it wasn't easy. You did, really. I mean, Hans is one of the most wonderful, funny, attractive, smart, incredible people. Like, I just, I adore him. I think you're talking about the wrong person. I'd marry him in a heartbeat if you'd have me. He's amazing. Um, But anyway, so that was kind of probably one of the most romantic, daring kind of things I've ever done. But um, It's wildly romantic. I mean, just that whole, let's go right now. It's like eloping almost. Like, that's fine. It is, because then you're ringing people up, you know, like my family and my friends. And they're like, where are you? I haven't seen you. Do you want to go? You want to go out to the club? And I'm like, actually, no, I've moved. And they were like. What? I've moved what? to another country and I'm in love. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just beautiful. I love None that. of them thought it would last. They all thought I'd, you know, I'd come back, especially the, the woman at uh, British Airways counter and Air Canada counter, because I called every day going, oh, I'm so unhappy, I have to come home. But, but that was more a culture shock than anything else. But, um, yes. you know, and, and also being stuck with another man's dirty laundry. I mean, you're like. <laughs> For life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that's the kind of the big shocker. So what's the kind of the, apart from that dreadful uh, situation, has there anything else happened? Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't think that's why I don't love Valentine's Day. It was just like a bad situation. But Valentine's Day in general, for me, you know, the one nice thing about it for years and years, you know, in Toronto, the interior design show happened over Valentine's Day. And finally, eventually they changed the date because people oh, were right. so in so yeah. trouble with their partners that they had these commitments to being at the show. And Valentine's Day became kind of difficult, and whatever. So people in my industry and in my, my vocational world mm-hmm. uh, used to have a hard time with Valentine's Day at that time. So it's kind of like different contributing factors that resulted in me kind of not loving that holiday that much. But I think, as I said earlier, it's a great reminder to, you know, sort of practice appreciation for the person who's in your love life, you know. But a lot of people, I think it really bears mentioning that a lot of people at Valentine's Day who are single have a really difficult time. Like for years when Marilyn Dennis and I were single, we used to go out together on Valentine's for dinner so that we didn't feel so shitty about being by ourselves. And I have to say, those dinners with her, they were the best Valentines I've ever spent because there was no pressure. It was just two great friends. We would talk and talk and have a drink and delicious dinner somewhere. We used to go to this little restaurant called Familia on um, Amelia Street in Cabbage Town in Toronto. 
and have these terrific evenings. And then, you know, the following day, not feel quite so crappy that we'd been single and by ourselves. But a lot of people, you know, Valentine's Day, sometimes there are these memes that go around saying it's being horribly single awareness day and stuff like that. And yeah, so, and also they play all the old movies, don't they? And that makes it worse because you're sobbing oh, away and, and like it's kind of so depressing. I did have actually one... I have the worst holidays, I have to say, the worst. Mm. And to the extent where friends would say, you know, when it was spring break or something, when everybody came back, they'd say, what happened to you this year? Because something, or you know, the hotel would burn down or there was oh, always God. something. We're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Anyway, one Valentine's, actually, I just remembered this. We had the kids and we were in the UK and we left them, the kids, with my sister. And we'd never been to Stonehenge and we decided to go for a romantic weekend. To Stonehenge? Yeah. <laughs> I just like anything <laughs> to get away. It's not romantic at all. It's like a Celtic tomb. <laughs> Like rocks in the field. Yeah. It was just like anything to get away from the kids. But um, anyway, so, <laughs> so a friend's father owned a rather large estate that mm. I'm sure I've told you this story before that was kind of taken from them during the Lloyd's crash when people lost uh, all yes. their money, but they could stay in their homes and they were quite wealthy people until they died. So they had right. no money, but they had this massive estate. And then the bank took the home after they died. Yes. And this was, it was a disaster, the Lloyd's crash. And anyway, look it up. But this was before Airbnb. So this was when people started renting out a few rooms. So my friend had said, look, my dad rents out some rooms. Why don't you stay there? It's a lovely place. So he said, great. So we leave the kids in Wales, go over the famous Seven Bridge, which is like a kind of Florida type suspension yeah, bridge. Beautiful bridge. Yeah. Beautiful bridge where, you know, towards Bath, kind of around there. We're driving slowly, enjoying, being romantic. I think it was our 10th anniversary. And we arrive at this little lane going up to this house. And as we're about to turn into it, an old Volvo screeches past us, nearly, I'm sure I've told you this story, nearly knocks us off the road and goes zooming up the driveway to this house. So we're a little bit like, bloody hell, really weird. We arrive outside this stately home and we park the car and there's this station wagon sitting there with the door and the motor still running Oh, and nobody in it. So we think this is very odd, you know, so we don't know if maybe there's been an accident, maybe something's happened. Some sort of emergency. must. Yeah, some kind of emergency. So we stand there and, you know, we've got one little pulley, one little bag between us. And anyway, suddenly, maybe 10 minutes later, the owner of the car comes running out of this kind of farm estate kind of thing, jumps back in this thing and he's carrying a, like a doctor's bag and dashes off and he's gone. So we're standing there going, oh God, maybe we should go. Maybe something's happened or whatever. Suddenly this caricature of an eight-year-old rich British woman comes out and goes, oh my God, you're so-and-so's friends. You look like a strong chap. Come with me. You stay here. So... <laughs> Hans follows this woman in. And, you know, we're in our kind of 40s, I guess. He follows this woman inside and he's gone like 15, 20 minutes. And I'm thinking... And you're still outside by your car. I'm still outside, standing by the car with the little suitcase, wondering what on earth do we do? You know that Hans 
hates anything that flies. He can't eat yes. chicken. He can't, yes. because he's very squeamish because yes. when he was a kid in Germany, he, his mum would take him to the butchers and they'd pull the head off the chicken. And he would have to wait with the blood going out and the headless chicken running around while his mum went yeah. to the bakery next door. You're going to pass out in a minute. Traumatizing. So he's like that. He, he couldn't see me stuff a turkey. He couldn't do any of that. So remember, he's very squeamish. So I'm standing there and suddenly he appears. But he's... <laughs> He's got a wheelbarrow, and in the wheelbarrow is a steaming. And it was February, so it was chilly. So this dog, it was a Rottweiler. It must have been oh 200 God. pounds, dead oh Rottweiler. Dead? Oh, yeah, dead. Hanging over the edge of this wheelbarrow oh. with this old man and woman going, this way, this way, follow me, and carrying a spade. So Hans is pushing the wheelbarrow. He looks at me completely terrified. He follows this batty old couple into a field, and they hand him, you know, a spade. He digs a grave. What? He has to pour this <laughs> steaming dead Rottweiler into the grave. Oh, my God. The dog was called Tiny, so you can imagine. So they were crying, and Tiny was their beloved Rottweiler, but it had died on the kitchen table. So the guy was the vet, and he put the dog down, but left them with the t- <laughs> with the dead. You dog. hadn't even been offered a cup of tea; like you had just oh, no. come in the driveway, and Hans is burying the dog. They were relatives of somebody I knew. Anyway, so so Hans comes back; he's as white as a sheet, and he says, "God, I, I need a pint," you know. So I said to these people, "We're just going to go to the pub." We'll come back in a couple of hours. So they said, okay, okay. So we go to the pub. Luckily, we still got our bag in the car. We get to the pub and, (laughs) you know, call boxes like phones on the wall. So I call where the kids are staying and they say, oh, there's been a bit of an accident. He's in hospital. So my eldest had had virtually his arm ripped off in a pub. He'd been in a pub. He was 10 at the time. So we just left. Did anybody ever see Stonehenge at all? did we hell we didn't even see it i saw the driveway of this house so we get to the we get to the hospital and it was a very very bad break and he couldn't fly for like three weeks so i i eventually had to stay in england we stay with him the first night go back we've loaded up the van because hans is going to leave with the younger child and we leave the hospital and we've got a rental van outside or big car kind of thing minivan thing and all the windows are smashed and everything's been stolen what? Yeah. In what town was this? This was near Bath? Cardiff. Cardiff. In Cardiff, yeah, Wales. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened in Bath, um, which is posh. Everything was nicked. And we were standing in the pouring rain going, you can't make this kind of shitty holiday up. <laughs> Actually, no. Like if you'd written this and put it in a book, nobody would believe it. Like the, yeah. first of all, arriving and having to bury some strange family's dog, then the arm in the pub and having to go to the hospital and then the car getting broken into. That's insane. Well, you know, some of these stories, that story's not in the next book, but my editor keeps calling me up going, did this really happen? I said, yes. And I can actually back up some of my stories with newspaper cuttings because, you know, you can find everything today. And I'm going, you can there find it the is. Date. There's the story. Yeah. But uh, so that was that was probably the worst fa- Valentine's. We, we never had we never had the night away. It was just. Uh, was and like, you never saw Stonehenge. Did you ever get to Stonehenge at all in your life ever? I went on a school trip, but I think I ended up sitting <laughs> with some boy at the back of the coach. and <laughs> never, <laughs> never went in. <laughs> yeah, which was usually our school trips. 
So you were fooling around with a boy in the back of the coach and didn't get to see Stonehenge. Yeah, I do remember actually that trip because we went to a farm as well. And a lot of the kids had never been to a farm. And a couple of them had stolen chickens. And then halfway up the motorway, up the highway, you know, these chickens started running around the coach. And we were, they were in detention for about a year. But, well, you know, school trips. I mean, I don't, I think today half of them are banned because the kids behave so bad. I would, can you imagine being a teacher? I can, I cannot imagine being your teacher. If you're enjoying this podcast, please rate us, send in a review and make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. One thing I did think was nice because obviously chocolate is a big part of Valentine's Day is huge. Yes, of course. Yeah, candies and chocolate and flowers. Do you eat chocolate, Tommy? I do. Yes, I love chocolate. Yeah, you can get vegan chocolate, right? Absolutely. Yes, most dark chocolate is automatically vegan because there's no milk in it. And much better Uh, for you, probably. Well, there are milk chocolates that are quite good too that are made with plant-based milks. Oh, nice. Okay, so Valentine's is synonymous with uh, chocolate, and in my last book, Joy we have an amazing chocolate mousse recipe that is the easiest thing in the world to do. So I, shall I, are you sitting comfortably? Have you got it? Yeah, I've got it here. So I'm going to read it and then we'll post it in the notes and people can make it. It's very easy because this is going to air just before Valentine's Day, isn't it? And actually this book is about, you know, it's called Joy, Life Lessons from a Tuscan Villa. And it's about health and vitality and, and how we can live a long life. And Jackie, my, my friend who does all our nutritional stuff, talks about as well how, you know, chocolate is a kind of a double-edged sword. You know, you can, if you eat 10 Mars bars a day, you're not going to do very well. But a no. little bit of chocolate. Moderation. Yeah, 70 to 80% cacao is, is, is really the best. So this is the recipe. This is the go-to dessert at the villa. Thick, rich, and unforgettable. So you need four cups of whipping cream or heavy cream, three cups of chopped dark chocolate, a little over one pound. And it serves eight, by the way. Icing, sugar icing, edible flowers or fresh mint. Pour the cream into a large bowl and whip with a whisk or electric mixer until stiff peaks form. Place the chocolate in a microwave-safe bowl and microwave 30-second intervals, stirring after each until all the pieces have melted and the mixture is hot and smooth. Alternatively, you can place the chocolate in a heat-proof bowl, which is the way I do it, and set it over a pot of gentle boiling water and stir regularly until melted and smooth. While the chocolate is still melted, quickly fold in the whipped cream using a spatula, mixing gently and gradually until the mousse is fluffy and soft. Using a piping bag or Ziploc bag with a little hole in the corner, pipe the mousse into individual serving dishes and refrigerate for at least three hours until the mousse is chilled and the texture firm. When ready to serve, dust each portion with a little icing sugar and decorate with a little flour or some mint. Um, I also put a tiny bit of Grand Marnier in it because that makes sense. <laughs> Since this was a health book, I didn't do that. Um, but it's a very simple thing. So I'm sure you could use, instead of cream, you could use a, like a whipped um, cashew cream or something like oh, that. Oh, yes. You that could, would be nice. There are great yeah. um, plant-based creams if you're lactose intolerant or if you're vegan or plant-based. So you don't need much. It's two or three teaspoons each. And I think that with chocolate, that's all you really need, isn't it? Well, Patrick and I have had it at the villa because Chef Francesco made us a vegan version of that mousse oh, the last time we were there. Yes, yes. So it's delicious. 
I know that it can be made vegan because he served it to us vegan. It was delicious. Yeah, and it really yeah. good. Well, that's his recipe and it is kind of a highlight. And it's also teaching people that you can have the dessert and have that little sugar tang at the end of a meal. Yes, chocolate is a big part of Valentine's Day. Will you be having some chocolate this year at Valentine's Day, Debbie? Well, I'll be back in Italy. I don't know. Have you and Hans made any plans? Are you going to go on a little excursion or anything? I think we might, because um, we've got the dogs, so we can't really fly anywhere. But we might go to the other coast called the Marque. It's very like Tuscany, the Adriatic coast. Do you know I'm getting 50 to 100 emails every few days about people wanting to move to Italy. I think I might start a business. <laughs> and it's so funny. So many. A lot of Americans. It's so funny because when you moved to Italy, you sought out Frances Mays so that she could teach you how to renovate and, and do some things. And, and now it's happening to you because everyone knows that you've done it. You know, it's not always romantic, but the Marque is a fraction of the cost of Tuscany ah. because it's the same area, but it's the other side. So the Adriatic coast is less popular, is that it? Well, the coast is quite busy with Italians. Really the Tuscan coast and the Adriatic. People don't go to Italy for the beaches, which are amazing. They are actually amazing. Yeah, North American, you don't think of it. And there's two kinds, like they have sand beaches and rock beaches. Yeah, so people will go to Puglia and Sicily and obviously have, you can have beach holidays there, but they mm -hmm. don't think of Tuscany or Rome. Rome has amazing beaches. So the East Coast is where the Italians go, but in the countryside, inland it's really beautiful old villages and rolling hills and you could buy for maybe two hundred thousand a little old farm wow a bit of land and do it up and very beautiful and it's getting very popular so the prices will go up but um so often when people ask me and they tell me their budget i'm like oh well don't come to you know tuscany but try this area because it's very very beautiful it used to be quite hard to get across because down the center of Italy is this, the Apennines, which is like the spine, very, very mountainous. And um, so, to, you, you know, to go over there takes forever because you kind of drive in and wiggling and round and about and everything. But they built a tunnel, a long, long tunnel. Ah. Through. Not that I like tunnels very much. Yeah, we've touched on that. The Tunnel of Love podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's like in the middle of Italy, you've got Umbria, which is like an apple sitting in the middle. Tuscany on the left, which is very large. And then the Marche, which is M-A-R-C-H-E, is on, on the east side. And then it rolls down. And very few people know it. And it's yeah. very beautiful. Really beautiful. So you and Hans may go there on a road trip? We may go there. Yeah, there's a, there's a, some nice little boutique hotels that are just... There's, there's two guys have opened one up and it looks amazing. And so we may go there. You know, we're always planning stuff. Well, I am. And then I never do it. It's always like, oh, stay home. Watch Netflix. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I'm halfway through a series. Let's just carry on. But, but, you know, sometimes you have to make yourself do this stuff, especially this time of year when it's all so gloomy. And oh, yeah. Especially here in Canada. It is just, it's been so dark and it's been so gray and gloomy. It's just relentless. And what are you going to do? I'm going to, well, we don't know yet. We, we're talking about maybe zipping down to New York City. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, I want to wish you and Hans a very happy Valentine's Day. Be careful on your road trip. Don't get pregnant. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I might fall off my stool laughing. Be responsible. Uh, well, I think there's as much chance of me getting pregnant as you getting pregnant. Um, so I'll say the same thing to you, Tommy. Don't get pregnant. Um, <laughs> 
Well, all the best to you and Patrick as well. And yeah, have a nice time in New York if you go. Go, just go, just go. Yes, we may. Anyway, I love you so much. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody as well. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Love yourself. Just look after yourself. Exactly. Follow us at the Trust Me Pod on Instagram. And send us a voice note with your best and worst Valentine's stories at thetrustmepod.com. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.